Jeff Bezos in the Age of Amazon, the everything store. This is a national best-selling book. It really dives into the hidden DNA of Amazon and Jeff Bezos is basically uprising. You know, where he's at today, I mean, he's still the richest man in the world, at least the public can see. I think there's a couple people that are a bit richer than him, like Putin, that just basically can pay not to be on the rich list. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, very, very wealthy man, even though he got divorced, um, still very, very wealthy. Um, Fascinating, fascinating story. So, Let's start with dessert. Really, the synthesized lesson I got from this is thinking long-term, obsessive customer focus, and the drive to constantly evolve are the qualities that make Amazon what it is today. Bezos stands out because of his ability to take risks no one else would, try new things, and always maintaining a future-oriented thinking and methodology. And this can especially be seen with his future-oriented thinking with Blue Origin, a space company that kind of uh, rides in silence, and uh, his 10,000-year-old underground clock in Texas. Bet you didn't know that. You know, that's it's a very interesting project. Um, not sure the, the progress of that today in 2020, but when this book was written by Brad Stone, that's one of the things that he researched with Bezos. And I found this book absolutely incredible. You know, there's tons of praise for it. Um, lots of people give it a very, very good review. And uh, it's, it's an absolutely incredible story. And from birth, Amazon has made customer focus its top priority. They added new features that people considered pointless and a waste of money that have now proven massive successes. These were always created to benefit the customer. And one of the reasons that uh, I truly believe Bezos had this focus is because he obsessed over reading. He was uh, obviously Amazon started with um, an internet book company, basically selling physical books online. And it started in his garage. And not a lot of people know, but before Amazon, Jeff Bezos was running a hedge fund. And he uh, left that job because basically he weighed the two opportunities. You know, he said, And, you know, there comes a crossroad in every person's life where they have to do this. You know, either I can stay with this safe, cushy job that, you know, maybe I don't get a ton of personal satisfaction out of and I'm not building it. But, you know, it's it's pretty consistent income, at least relatively um, consistent income, or I can take this risk. And in that time, you know, we reviewed Elon Musk's book. He started that company. uh I think it was, yeah, the Zip2, which was basically helping companies get their presence up online. And one of the um, business owners that they approached, because they had to really sell, they had to kind of like knock on everybody's door and sell it, uh, basically said, you know, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And think about how that person feels today. You know, if you would have been able to at least make a relationship with Elon Musk, how much further would your life be now? And Jeff Bezos basically the same thing, you know, so many people doubted it. And at that time, there was, you know, like the yellow pages, there was basically like the yellow pages of the internet. And he, he was basically trying to get Amazon.com. And I th- I can't remember the exact original domain he got. I think it was the Everything Store, actually, um, was the original domain. And uh, in the 90s, Bezos quickly recognized the massive advantage e-commerce had over traditional business 
specifically that it was extremely easy to analyze customer behavior using data. He says, our goal is to be the best customer centric company and back to the book obsession. So started off um, selling books. That was kind of how Amazon had its incubation. But one of the things that I found fascinating is everybody that um, Neil Rackman interviewed and Jeff even says it himself. He used to carry around um, Made in America by Sam Walton like a Bible. Like in one hand, it took obsessive notes on it until like the covers was about to fall off. And I'm sure he had multiple copies. And that book is so fundamentally incredible. I mean, the richest family in the world currently, I think, is the Waltons. Now, I might be wrong on that, but still, very, very wealthy. And what Sam Walton did, which was very, very smart, is he didn't just keep all of his wealth. He divided it into all these different uh, entities and then gave those entities to his children. And that's why Amazon is the, the powerhouse that it is today. And now they're you know, making moves in the e-commerce space. They've been trying to keep up with e-commerce. But still, I mean, that uh, discount retail mentality, if you haven't read that book, I mean, doesn't matter who you are, if you're working for someone else, or if you're running your own business, even if it's not, doesn't even sell products, even if you're selling services, it's an incredible, incredible book. I mean, the man had so much humility. And Sam Walton had so much humility, you know, he would, uh, there was this group of, I think it was like Australian businessmen, and they sent out this uh, letter to all these top uh, discount retail people. Everybody rejected him except one person. That one person was Sam Walton. Sam Walton accepted the invitation, said, come on over, we'll have dinner. They came and, uh, you know, they flew to Sam Walton and they came for dinner and they're, you know, they're really excited to kind of learn about how he built Walmart to be the behemoth it was. And, you know, at the beginning of dinner, they, they start talking and then he goes, Sam Walton goes, oh, one question for you. They ask him a question and then another question. And the next thing they know, by the end of dinner, they realized he didn't invite them there so they could learn what he knew. He wanted to know what they knew, even though they were literally probably a thousandth of a percentage uh, like smaller than he was. He was constantly learning. He had so much humility. And in the modern world, people have so much outward humility. You know, they say they're humble, but... It's really in the actions we see this. You know, how many people are you flying to to learn from? How many people are you um, learning from just in general through mentors in person, through books, through mentors online? And, uh, you know, so many other things. How much are you investing in yourself and self-education? How many conferences are you going to? All these different things that show humility, show that I don't know everything. You can't know everything. So you should be constantly learning, constantly that curiosity factor has to be high and your awareness factor has to be high. Aware that you do not know everything. Aware that you have so much room for growth. And this is so, so important. And it, like I said, you know, Jeff Bezos carried around a copy of that book, The Sam Walton's Made in America. And there's so many other stories I could get into more, but we're trying to keep this to a 10 minute episode um, of Sam Walton and how incredible that book is. So, Amazon is still excessively frugal since Jeff found success with a less is more mentality when it was just an idea to sell books on the internet and started in a garage. He is convinced that limitations provoke innovation and frugality helps the company focus the most important things, customer satisfaction, 
again, a Sam Walton um, principle. And I really like that thing that he said, which is limitations provoke innovation. You know, if you're just given everything, like if Jeff Bezos was just given Amazon, well, the, the room for innovation wouldn't really be there. But when you have to take risks to grow, you know, limitations, which is at the beginning, he's in a garage selling books. They provoke innovation. They provoke new ideas. That's why I think bootstrapping your own company can be very, very powerful versus, you know, if you've ever met like a trust fund kid or somebody that has their whole life planned out for them, like this is how it's going to go. And that's promised, you know, or like that's inherited. Well, they have very, very low levels of happiness most of the time. And when they do have happiness, it's because they're blowing the money that they're kind of inheriting. But nonetheless, he also implements this two pizza rule. Basically, no team in the company should have so many members that it can't be fed with two pizzas. He considers meetings at big groups unproductive. Meetings at Amazon are data-driven. Everything is evaluated by numbers. And this is one thing we really learned in his kind of uh, productivity section of this book, that everything is data-driven. He has a very, very interesting methodology when it comes to this. And he says that Amazon's greatest strength is its willingness not to be understood by others. Very, very interesting. The company happily accepts short-term strategic losses as they think long-term, and these losses actually fuel achieving future goals. Example, ebooks. Originally losing 50% on each purchase is what propelled the company to hit the billion-dollar mark in the creation of the Kindle. Further examples of Bezos' long-term thinking can be seen in his self-funded projects. Blue Origin, a space company in an underground clock in Texas designed to run for 10,000 years with hardly any maintenance. In wrapping it up, we'll, we'll kind of talk about this awards and uh, it kind of uh, some things behind the scenes with Amazon. So always a strong bias towards action and even gives out a yearly Just Do It award. Amazon is much more than what most think. AWS, Amazon Web Service, is used by NASA, the CIA, and the U.S. government, purchasing storage space and computational power. In November 2007, Kindles were launched, sold out within six hours, and stayed that way for six months. Hope you pick up a copy of this book, The Everything Store. And I think a good thing to accompany this with is uh, Made in America by Sam Walton. I read that Sam Walton book before. It's the book he wrote on his deathbed. I mean, that book, to me, is worth thousands of dollars. You know, the lessons in that book. But you can get it for like 10 bucks. So... Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. And until next time.